You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 180. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and it's another time for an episode based on one of your burning questions. Today, I'm answering a question from Whitney out in Austin via an Instagram post. Whitney says, how do you find the right partners to help you market your course or product? Now, I get a lot of questions about affiliate marketing. I even did an episode on it last year, but I still get a lot of questions about my own personal experience. And I don't consider myself a big player when it comes to affiliate marketing. In fact, even though I do a lot of big live launches, I rarely use a lot of affiliates for those launches. Instead, I've prided myself on a series of relationships I've cultivated over the years to help me build my business. I've also had a solid group of friends that I tend to rely on again and again for advice and support and collaboration. And I'll talk about a few of those friends in this episode. So I want you to think of this episode as a soft part two to an episode I did a few weeks back about my own personal journey. You might've already heard that episode. I sure hope you have because I got so much great feedback about how people loved the fact that it was really personal and really behind the scenes. It was episode number 175, where I talked about how I went from corporate to consulting to courses. Now I'm calling this episode a soft part two from that episode because a lot of the how around how I progressed in my career has been built on special relationships. So in this episode, I'm going to go through seven major collaborations I've done so far in my career. Now, while you're listening, I want you to think about who you absolutely cannot wait to collaborate with. I want you to put your wish list together. And I also want you to put a list that might seem a little bit more attainable as you ease into this. And I have a special freebie for you. This freebie includes questions to ask before you consider any collaboration. And in it, I'll talk about the criteria I personally use when I think about partnering up on anything with anyone. So it's like a checklist of sorts. It's a really great freebie that you want to download and just keep it the next time you're thinking about a collaboration and then run through the questions, honestly answer them, and you will know at the end if you should be moving forward with that collaboration or if you should probably nix it for now and keep moving forward solo. So to get your hands on that freebie, all you need to do is go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 180 download. So amyporterfield.com forward slash 180 download, or you can find the freebie in my show notes at amyporterfield.com forward slash 180. Okay. So as I go through each of these collaborations, here's what I'm going to cover. Number one, what initiated the collaboration? So you can see the genesis of how the partnerships came into play. Number two, what I brought to the table. Number three, what they brought. 
Number four, what I learned from the collaboration. And number five, if the relationship is an ongoing one, how it continues to evolve. Because that's one of my most favorite elements, seeing how these relationships continue to change, how we challenge each other, and just how the relationship has gotten stronger over the years. So are you ready to dive in? Let's do this. Okay, so collaboration number one was with Sean Malarkey, Lewis Howes, and myself, and we created FB Influence. Now, I've talked about this relationship a lot, so if you follow along in any of my content, you've likely already heard this story, so I'll spare you all the details. Plus, I went into detail in episode number 175 around how this relationship came about, I was at Blog World with Mike Stelzner, helping him with some interviews. Lewis and I became good friends. He asked me if I would collaborate. And then I met Sean Malarkey, and I thought, this is a great opportunity. I loved the guys instantly, and we created FB Influence together. Now, what I brought to the table was I had a lot of knowledge around Facebook. It was also around the time that I had landed the book deal with Wiley Publishers to co-write Facebook marketing all in one for dummies. So I was knee deep in Facebook marketing, writing one of those big fat yellow dummies books. So I was bringing a lot of knowledge to the table around Facebook. And I was working with clients at the time in social media. So I was in the trenches. So it was knowledge that I was bringing to the table around the subject matter. When it came to Sean and Lewis, these guys were master marketers. They already had a way bigger list than I had. And if you know anything about Lewis House, he is definitely a connector. So he had tons of relationships out there with affiliates because the number one reason why FB Influence was so incredibly successful was due to affiliates. So Lewis and Sean had great relationships with people and we were lining up affiliate webinars literally every single day for months and months and months. So that was really cool. So the product was good and the affiliate relationships were good and it converted well. That webinar converted really well for our affiliates. Also, Sean was behind the scenes probably a little bit more than Lewis and Sean had some amazing marketing experience. So he had a knowledge around funnels and Facebook ads and how we were going to position ourselves. So we all brought either marketing skill or knowledge to the table. So it was a good group, the three of us. And we liked each other. We enjoyed working together, which was a lot of fun. So that's what I brought to the table and what they brought to the table. But the new conversation that I wanted to have with you, the part that I probably have never talked about before, is what I learned from that whole experience. And the first thing I learned is to get quiet and to just learn in the beginning. Because at the time, it wasn't like I was a complete newbie on the scene. I had experience in all my other past jobs, plus I had been doing the entrepreneur thing for a little while. So I was coming to the table with marketing experience, but just nothing like Sean and Lewis had had up until that point. So I got quiet and I let them coach me and I was coachable to a T. I mean, if Lewis said, do the webinar this way or say it that way, or if Sean said, we're writing an email about this or about that, 
I wouldn't question it. I would just do it. And then we'd see how it would turn out. And many of the times it was a huge success. So I think being coachable when you're working with someone that you know is bringing something to the table you don't yet have, that's a huge advantage for you. But here's where I probably went wrong. So I was coachable. I would listen to what they said we needed to do. I would do it. But then sometimes I would do stuff that just didn't feel totally right for me. Maybe for me personally, because I was delivering the webinar and a lot of the times it was my tone in the emails, it just didn't feel like me. Maybe a little bit even inauthentic because it wasn't coming from me because we've got three people in the mix here. So what I wish is that when I got more comfortable with the relationship and when things were going really well, I wish I spoke up a little bit more. And no fault to Lewis or no fault to Sean, I just was nervous to speak up. I was newer, newer on the scene than they were, and I probably devalued my opinion and suggestions and recommendations at that time. So if I were to do it all over again, I would say, hey, let's try this, or I'm not totally comfortable marketing that way. Can we maybe try it this way or soften that or tone that down a little bit or tone that up? I don't know. I don't have specific examples. It feels like a lifetime ago. But what I will say is I remember thinking later on, gosh, I wish I spoke up more. So that was probably my biggest learning lesson. Now, why did I end up stepping away from FB Influence? Well, the answer to that is I was ready to go out on my own and I was ready to do things different. And I had really gotten clear about my message and who I wanted to market to and what I wanted to market. At that time, I had already built Facebook Marketing Profit Lab. So now I had another product that was doing really well. So I was ready to let go of that one and just kind of do things on my own. So I think I got a lot of that knowledge and know-how from that experience. So it taught me so much and I wouldn't change it for the world. So that was my first big collaboration. Moving into collaboration number two, it was a few years back and it was with David Seitman Garland, DSG. I absolutely love this guy. And we've been friends for a few years before we decided to do this collaboration. Now, for those of you who don't know, a few years back, I was in a mastermind and David Seitman Garland was in that mastermind. It was like a peer ran mastermind. No one paid to be in it. It was a small group. And Melanie and Devin Duncan, James Wedmore, Stu McLaren, and David Seitman Garland. So we became fast friends in that mastermind. And what's interesting about David, you might be surprised to hear, he is incredibly organized and really follows a process behind the scenes. I don't know, something about his like fun and silly personality makes me think that he might be a little bit scattered on the back end. He's totally not. And I love that about him being a planner myself. So we both were running Facebook ads at the time and doing webinars. And there was this one ad strategy that we both were doing that was working really well. Now this is a few years back, so it kind of doesn't apply anymore. But we had honed in onto this one ad strategy and pairing it with email marketing and webinars. And it was just a really cool thing to teach. And both of us were talking about it. And we said, you know what? We should teach this because we both had experiences around how we were using it and what worked and what didn't and all that good stuff. So we decided to do a live workshop. It was a two hour live workshop. 
and I presented half the time, David presented the other half of the time, and then we did a live Q&A. We charged $500 for this live workshop, and we both sold it to our own email list and through social media, and we might have ran a few ads to it as well. So it was incredibly successful and profitable. It did really, really well. Now, it wasn't like a million-dollar launch. That's not what we were going for. We had an idea, and we thought, this is timely. This is relevant. This is what's working right now with Facebook ads, and this is something our students could actually follow along step-by-step and do it right away in their business. And because we wanted to do it together, it kind of brought something extra interesting to the mix. So what we did is we basically created a really, really simple sales page. This is another thing I love about David. He just keeps things simple, even more so than I do. So, you know, I didn't stress over a super long sales page. We just did something just kind of quick and dirty, got it up there. We had a checkout page and that's all it was. So it was so very simple. Here's what you're going to learn. Here's what we're going to cover. Here's how much it is here's where you put your credit card information. That's kind of how simple it was. I wish I had snapshots of it, but I don't. It was just too long ago. So we sold the course before we actually delivered it, before we did it live, which I love that strategy. And then people showed up and we delivered it. And then if you didn't show up live, you got the recording and you got the slide deck. So we also included the slide deck so people could go back and follow it step by step. Now, one thing that is really cool about this is all the money went into David's account. So we just didn't want to complicate it. And so he set up the order form and he collected all the money. I think one thing that's important about collaborations is you have to totally trust the person you're doing the collaboration with. I didn't even think twice about the fact that David was going to collect all the money. I knew he was a stand-up guy. I wasn't even worried about anything related to that, the money situation. And of course, in true David fashion, I would get reports as to how much money we brought in, how much he might've had to pay for the credit card processing, and then how much we were going to split together. It was just a 50-50 split. Another thing we didn't do is we didn't care where the person came from. So let's say that 60% came from my email list and 40% came from his. We have no idea if that happened. And it probably was so close to 50, 50. It's not even funny. We had a lot of overlap on our list because we attract the same type of person, but let's just say I drove more from my email list. That was not something that we were even going to talk about or worry about. We were doing the collaboration together. It was just a short promo and it was 50, 50, no matter what. And I like that. That feels good to me. That's a good relationship. So we went for it. So what I brought to the table and what David brought to the table was essentially the same thing. We both had experience with this type of strategy. We both did it a tiny bit different. So we got to show his examples and my examples and we're very different personalities. He's kind of loud, a little bit in your face. He's way funnier than I am. And then I'm a little bit more calm and more calculated. And I think the mix was good for a live workshop. I think he kept things more entertaining than I typically would. So plus he's super smart and brought great value to the table. So I loved it. I thought it was great. I wish David and I had done more of those back in the day, but we just did this one and it was profitable. And then we just kind of moved on. So think about something like a live workshop and who you might want to do that with. But I think the big prize for us is that it was so relevant and timely and 
our students really wanted to learn how they could do it right away. So that was in our benefit. So that was collaboration number two. Okay, moving on to collaboration number three. And I wanted to talk about the collaboration I've done with Michael Hyatt. And the reason for that is because the whole relationship kind of started in an interesting way. So if you're thinking, how do I meet with some of the big influencers? How do I show that, you know, I can play on the same field and I'm ready to jump in with you? Well, I didn't do this on purpose, but something really great happened from an experience I had with Hyatt. And I feel like it was a start of a beautiful friendship. Sounds weird, but it's true. So here's the deal. Way back when Michael Hyatt was doing a live event and he had asked me or his team had asked me if I would speak at the event. And what was great is that they paid their speakers, which I think is so very awesome. So they paid for me, they flew me out, and I got to speak on stage at one of his events. Now, in my eyes, you know, probably yours too, if you know Michael, he's a big shot. And I had to come to the table prepared. Plus, I knew who else was on the docket to speak, and they were big names. And I thought, I cannot look like an amateur here, and I'm not by any means a professional speaker. So I hired a presentation coach just for that specific presentation. His name was Mike Paccione, and he had worked with Nancy Girarte and had done amazing things inside that organization as a trainer. And if you know anything about Nancy, she is a master storyteller, which meant Michael had all of that knowledge and skill set as well. And he helped me create a pretty amazing presentation. I think the best one I've ever done. And we were able to weave in great stories and he helped me come out on stage with great presence. And I knew exactly how I was going to start it. I knew the flow of the presentation. I knew the last thing I was going to say. He helped me with my slides on the screen. I mean, it was an awesome experience. It was a lot of work. Like we got on the phone many, many times and I worked on the outline of my presentation a lot. But the reason I tell you all of this is because I nailed it. And I nailed it so much so that they did a survey as to who was the best speaker at that one event. And Michael Hyatt told me that I got the highest score. Now, I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm actually telling you that because I was able to make an impact, not just of the audience, but I think Michael at that point knew I was there and I was showing up and I was doing my best work. And I'm hoping that made an impression on Michael because he comes in contact with a lot of people and so many people want to work with him and speak on his stage and do collaborations with him. So instead of me asking, hey, can we collaborate? Instead, I just did my very best work without any expectations. And it really turned out to be this amazing relationship that came out of that. Now, of course, Michael would have been my friend regardless. That's the kind of guy he is. But I do believe that showing up and doing an outstanding presentation on his stage made an impact. So what happened after that was that I ended up promoting Best Year Ever, which is one of his most popular programs that he has. And then from there, he ended up promoting one of my courses, Courses That Convert. And it did really, really well. He actually has promoted a few of my courses. And here's the thing that's important. 
I didn't promote Michael's course so that he would promote mine. And he surely didn't promote my courses so that I would promote his. It's not always a tit for tat. And I wanted to bring that up. And that's why I brought up this collaboration for a few things. One, I didn't show up to impress so that Michael would eventually collaborate with me. And two, I didn't start to promote something of his in hopes that he would promote something of mine. I think that type of relationship is dangerous because somewhere down the line, someone's going to feel let down or disappointed, and I don't think that's necessary. So if I have any advice for you around promoting other people's courses, I say don't do it in hopes that they'll do it for you. Of course, it's a lot of icing on the cake when they do it. When Michael promotes my stuff, I mean, we're talking about huge success there because he has a giant following that is incredibly loyal and they trust him and they listen to his recommendations. But, you know, just like anything in life and in business, if you go into it with the wrong intentions, it tends to get a little bit messy or it tends to be very disappointing at the end. And I've never had that experience with Michael. And he's just always such a professional about the collaboration that we do. So I just wanted to share that experience. I feel like there's a lot of lessons there and it was interesting how the relationship came about. So I wanted to include that special collaboration. Okay, so moving on to collaboration number four. This one is all about B-School with Marie Forleo. Now, I have definitely talked about this relationship in a few different podcast episodes I've done, but here's what I want to say. The B-School promotion has been my most successful affiliate marketing relationship for somebody else in everything that I've done. And I know 100% it is because... I have firsthand experience and success with the program. So to back up a little bit, I was in Marie Forleo's live mastermind, Rich, Happy, and Hot, for two years. So I paid to get coached by Marie. And then after that, I started promoting B-School because I had some great success with her online program. And we have formed a great friendship. I would 1 million percent call Marie a friend. And what's cool is that she is always checking in. And especially leading up to B-School and after B-School, she is just so appreciative of her affiliates. And I think that is one of the biggest lessons that I want to share with you around my experience being an affiliate for somebody else. So I remember the last time or two years ago when B-School wrapped up, Marie actually reached out to me personally. And there's a lot of affiliates involved. So I know she couldn't do that for everybody, but she probably just chose a few people every year that she does this with. And she reached out and called me like the cart had just closed and I wasn't her number one affiliate. I was high on the list, but I wasn't number one. And she called and said, Hey, I just want to thank you for all you have done throughout the promotion. And then she went on to name some of the special things that I had done, meaning she was paying attention throughout the entire promo in terms of what her affiliates were doing. She treats them with kindness, just like she treats her students. And I think that's the biggest lesson with B-School in general and how Marie does her promotions is that when someone promotes for you, you've got to treat them as though they are extra special. And dare I say it, I'd almost treat them like they're doing you a favor. So let's talk about that really quickly. 
A long time ago, I did an affiliate deal with somebody else. It was a guy, it was many years ago. And he treated me as though he was doing me a favor for letting me promote his program. And I've never been able to shake that off. It, just a few things he said, I thought, oh, he doesn't look at this like I'm adding value to his audience and his business, I mean, and his bottom line. So he's not looking at it like that. He's looking at it like, oh, he did me a favor for letting me promote one of his programs. And that just doesn't feel good. And it doesn't make you want to go above and beyond for somebody else in an affiliate relationship. So flip that, and here I have Marie calling me and calling out some things that she noticed that she loved during the promotion and just staying in touch with me throughout the year, not just when she wants me to promote. And I think that's cool. So when somebody promotes for me, I definitely hope anyone who's ever promoted for me feels that I really appreciate it. And I do feel like they're doing something extra special for me. They're putting me out in front of their audience and they've worked really hard to get that audience. So I don't take it lightly. And I think I learned that from Marie. So that's my big takeaway from the B-School promotion, something that I've never talked about before. And I wanted to kind of add to the conversation since I have talked about B-School and me promoting it and why I promote it because I love the program so much. Okay. So moving on to collaboration number five, this one I did just last year with Miss Melanie Duncan, who is the wife of my business partner, Devin Duncan. So Melanie and I have been friends for many years and we do a lot of the same stuff in terms of teaching online marketing and list building and courses, and we both do webinars to promote our programs. So there's a lot of alignment between what we do. And speaking of webinars, both of us have done many, many, many webinars, and we kind of have the same type of style and we've had great success with webinars and we've marketed each other's programs and of course our own. And then we've marketed other people's programs beyond that. So we have a lot of experience with webinars. You all know that I have a program called webinars that convert. So this is a big part of my business. And Melanie and I were talking one day and we said, wouldn't it be cool to do a weekend live workshop around webinars? But wouldn't it be cool to actually just have it be a really small group where we get to answer a bunch of questions, we can go through the process, we can share behind the scenes things we've never shared, we can allow the group to collaborate together and network and learn from each other. Like, that'd be pretty cool, right? And so both of us were excited about this and we decided to do it, I think it was in October in New York, and we invited just 10 people. And it was $5,000 for a day and a half. So all day on a Saturday, half day on a Sunday. And we both were bringing webinar knowledge to the table, but because we run different businesses, we had different stories to share and examples to share, and we both were strong in different areas. So I might be really good at the content of what I teach and how I teach it in the free content part of the webinar. And then let's say Melanie took over and just talked about what it looked like to transition into the sale and what you should say and how you should say it. But then we both had stuff to share when the other person was presenting. So we jump in and say, okay, I want to add here this little tip or that tip. So it was really great to bring just a small group. They 
happened to all be women, a small group of women together. And we got to collaborate just around webinars for a day and a half. So it was really, really fun. And one of the women that left there got huge results, like out of this world results from just like one thing we shared in that workshop. And they all, I think, walked away feeling satisfied and ready to jump in and they learned some new things. But there was one woman that she just took one little strategy and she just ran with it. And I mean, we're talking about like hundreds of thousands of dollars later. So it definitely was an exciting thing to do. Now, What I learned was that it's not all about the online world. And sometimes you've got to step out from behind the computer and try new things. And I think that it breathes new life into your business. It keeps things interesting and fun and allows you to get out into the real world and talk to the people that are really taking action. Because every single woman in this group was an action taker. I mean, I think pretty much at least eight out of the 10 women were doing incredibly well in their business. So they were coming to the table with an established business doing well, but they wanted to take things to an entirely new level. And actually that's a different group than I usually work with. I tend to attract a lot of people in their first two years of business, just getting started, starting to make some money, but want to really make an impact both with their audience and (laughs) with their bottom line. So this audience was a bit more advanced advanced and that stretched me as well. So I liked the fact that I had to show up in a different way, teach more advanced strategies, and I had to come out of my shell. I'm an introvert, definitely to a T. And so getting out there and pushing myself, it was a big deal. I will also tell you, because I always tell you guys the personal stuff, on day one, I felt like I was a little bit too quiet. And Melanie is an extrovert. I mean, the girl can command attention wherever she goes. And so I was a little bit more shy. I had her start the workshop off. I'm just like, oh, I don't know. And I went to bed that night on Saturday and I thought, no, that's not okay. Like I want to show up better for these women and they paid a lot of money to be here. And I know that everyone is here for the right reason. And I just want to show up in a different way in terms of talk more and have a bigger presence. And I actually talked to Melanie about this. And of course she's like, anything you want, Amy. And I said, okay, let me start the morning off and I think I'd like to talk about this a little bit more. And she's a great friend. So she's like, anything you need, let's do it. And day two felt better for me. So I'm always kind of evaluating, how am I showing up? Am I putting my best self forward? Am I being excellent today? And so I learned a little bit about myself that if someone has a little bit of a stronger personality than me, I tend to step back and I'm even a little bit more quiet. And I'm not intimidated by Melanie. It's just that she could run the show by herself, quite honestly. Like she has that presence. So I had to kind of find my footing and I did. And I was proud of myself for just not clamming up and not talking at all. Instead, I pushed myself really hard the second day to show up better. So anyway, that was just a little lesson I learned about my personality. And overall, the lesson for you, I think, if you want to think about in terms of collaborations, I mean, is that it doesn't always have to be online and it doesn't always have to be a big live event that costs a lot of money. These small, intimate workshops in your own town 
could be incredibly lucrative when done right. And I think there's something really valuable around small groups. I mean, if we marketed this and said it's for 50 people, it wouldn't be nearly as intimate or special. And we were able to make it really intimate in terms of everyone got attention from us and got their questions answered. And again, just like the David Seitman Garland promo, we didn't have a super elaborate sales page. All the money, I can't remember if we went, I think we went through my account this time. That was not an issue whatsoever. And we sent out a few emails. We both wrote our own emails and sent them out to our own list. And then really quickly, we filled up 10 and we were done. And we had a waiting list. Oh, one more thing that we did is we had a survey. We wanted to make sure that we knew it would fill up because we were just offering 10 seats, but we wanted to make sure the right people were in the room. And so we had people fill out surveys. And what killed me is there were more women that would have been the right people in the room. It's just that we could only have 10. So we took the first 10 that fully qualified and then we cut it off. But still, when people filled out the survey, if they were a right fit, it just kind of like, oh, now we could have done it again. It just didn't fit into our schedules. So we've only done one. Maybe we'll do one again down the road. Who knows? But I really liked kind of challenging myself and putting myself out there in a different way. And meeting these amazing women. Many of them I'm still very good friends with and we talk. Okay, so moving on to collaboration number six. This one is around inviting someone to be a guest trainer inside of my own online course. I get asked about this all the time. People will say, Amy, do you pay people to come into your course and teach on a specific topic? Or how does that relationship look? I've never paid somebody to come into my course and teach, although I'm not against it. I just haven't had that business model. But in the early years when I didn't have a lot to offer, meaning I didn't have thousands of people on my email list or inside my programs, I would do an exchange. So if somebody would come into my course and teach some content, I would then go into their course and teach some content that wasn't their specialty. So we would trade content essentially. But these days, because I've built a name for myself and I have a lot of people in my courses and I have some really good friendships, all I need to do is ask. And all they need to do is ask me as well. So again, it's not a tit for tat. We're not keeping score. However, I think our friendships are strong enough that they know if they need me, I'm there. And I know that they feel the same way. But there's a little caveat to that as well. So let me explain this one. I decided to choose Jasmine Starr as my example because she is teaching inside of List Builders Lab 2.0. By the time this episode goes live, I will have already live launched List Builders Lab 2.0 and likely the cart is closed. We will open it up in an evergreen capacity pretty soon, but the live launch will be over. And so many of you will be in the course, I hope, and you will get a training from Jasmine Starr. So let me back up how this relationship came about because I think that's important. I think it's good for you to hear how these relationships came about to maybe push you out of your comfort zone just a little bit. So James Wedmore has a mastermind. By the way, it's an amazing mastermind. And he invited me to be one of the very first speakers at his actual mastermind. So I traveled to San Francisco and I got to speak on launching. 
And then he invited me to stay the entire time. And at first I was like, oh, I don't know. Well, that'd be kind of weird because it's a small, oh, at the time it was a pretty small mastermind. I didn't want to be in the way, but I thought, well, he invited me, so I'm doing it. And I stayed and I just fell in love with everybody in his mastermind. I got to learn about their businesses, where they're struggling. Um, James invited me to add my insight when I had anything to say. So it was a cool experience. And at that event was Jasmine Starr. And she took some pictures for me and James, and she just instantly became a friend. I don't know. Sometimes you meet some people and you think, yep, I get them. They get me. I like that person. And that was Jasmine. So the thing is, it could have ended right there. And this is the part I want you to pay close attention to. But instead, we made an effort to stay in touch after the mastermind. So we ended up texting each other and chatting with each other. I asked her a question about social media. I loved her answer. So then I invited her on my podcast. And then she would ask me questions about launching and webinars. So it just was a really good working relationship that slowly over the year kind of turned into a really good friendship. So a lot of my friendships, I probably shouldn't admit this, start with business and then they kind of go into the real friendship mode, maybe because I'm always got business on the mind, right? But that's okay because they are true, real, dear friendships to me, especially as they are nurtured over time. So that's how I met Jasmine. But in addition to that, let's talk about what I brought to the table and what she brought to the table in terms of her training inside of List Builders Lab 2.0. So what I brought to the table is what I already mentioned. List Builders Lab, the first program, had a few thousand people already in it, and they all got the upgraded program. So she was going to get in front of thousands of people anyway. And then I was doing a live launch for 2.0, so we'd bring more people into the program. So she knew she was going to get in front of an ideal audience for her. The people in my audience are going to love what she was going to share, and they likely are going to start following her on social media, getting to know her more if they aren't already, and then get on her email list, and she's attracting a bigger audience. So that's a win for sure. Now, what Jasmine brought to the table is knowledge that I do not have, but it already complements what I'm teaching inside a List Builders Lab. So there's a section in List Builders Lab 2.0 around social media. And what I knew my students struggled with when it came to social media was, what do I post? What should my captions be? What images do I post? How often should I post? Should I get a plan together? And although I can speak to that, I felt that Jasmine could do it a whole lot better. Plus, here's that caveat I mentioned earlier, Jasmine has a service called Social Curator. And every single month, you get a group of stock images, and then captions to kind of inspire you. So she does a caption that you probably aren't going to copy and paste, but at least it will spark some ideas for your own caption because we have all had that caption freeze, right? Like you don't know what to write or is this just me? I hope I'm not alone, but it definitely has happened to me enough times. And I think that social curator is an excellent service. And so I said, come into my program, talk about what to post and when to post and how to put together an entire social media plan in a day, one month's worth of content in a day. And I said, and then tell my audience about Social Curator because we don't sell a lot of stuff inside of my programs. However, if there's a service or a tool that I think can take things to the next level, meaning take my program and make it even more valuable, then I definitely will mention it. No hard sales, just a mention, and that's exactly what she did. So now, 
Jasmine is inside my course. I think she's going to add immense value and our friendship continues. So how has it evolved? Like I said, it's like a true friendship. And what we've done is we make a date every single month to get together. So I live in Carlsbad, California. Jasmine lives in Newport Beach. Right kind of in the middle is San Clemente, a really, really cute beach town. So once a month, margaritas and business talk and personal talk. So it's really fun. But we've got to make the time and make the effort, right? And I think that's what's important about relationships just in general. So that's collaboration number six. Let's move on to the final collaboration number seven. And that is with somebody you probably already know very well if you listen to my podcast. And that is Mr. Rick Mulready. Now, Rick is a regular guest on the show, but I thought I would talk to you a little bit about that relationship in terms of getting Rick on the show, what I bring to the table, what he brings to the table, because this was an easy, easy collaboration that you might want to look into as well. So let's talk about it. So I met Rick through Pat Flynn and Rick and Pat Flynn were friends. I'm not sure how they became friends, but Pat said, hey, I want to introduce you to this guy named Rick. He's really cool. I think that you guys would really have some great conversations. And I don't like random coffee dates. They make me very nervous because I'm thinking, I don't know this person. What are we going to talk about? So Rick contacted me and he said, hey, you want to meet at Starbucks? And I'm thinking, not really, but he's a friend of Pat Flynn's, so I should just say yes. So I met with Rick, and I remember I was leaving my house, and I looked at Hobie, and I'm like, oh, I hope I'm back in 30 minutes. I got to meet with this random guy that I don't know, but I said I would do it, so now I'm dreading it. So yeah, great attitude, right? Like, get it together, Amy. So I left the house, I met Rick, and within five minutes, I'm thinking, this guy is really cool. He's down to earth, he's easy to talk to, he's not all about himself. You guys have been there, right? You go to a coffee date with someone that won't stop talking about themselves, and you're like, what am I doing here? Or the worst yet, you go to a coffee date and you don't realize that you're there because someone wants to pick your brain the entire time. I hate that. I just feel totally sabotaged when that happens, thinking I'm going to a coffee date to kind of have great conversation and and learn about the person and they can learn about me. And then I realize, oh, they just want free advice. I hate those kind of coffee dates. So that's why probably I'm so apprehensive. They've happened to me more often than not, but not with Rick. It wasn't anything like that. And we became fast friends. And in the beginning, we really didn't collaborate. We just met on a pretty regular basis and we talked shop. And specifically, we talked a lot about Facebook advertising and just all things online marketing. We live pretty close to each other. So it was a Starbucks date here or there. And then it became pretty regular and it was just so valuable. And then what happened was we were talking one day and I thought, you know what, Rick, you know so much more about Facebook advertising than I do. I know a lot. However, you take it to a whole new level. And he teaches more of the advanced strategies. A lot of the times when I'm teaching Facebook advertising inside any of my programs, it's really how to get started with it. Because a lot of my students are just getting going or they need some refresher, but it's not those advanced strategies. So I kind of leave those with Rick and I tell my audience, when you're ready to take ads to the next level, you got to check out Rick. And so we were talking about this one day and I thought, you know what? You should be a regular on my show. We had just done a podcast together and I love our energy together. And I love that we both have ad experiences that we can talk about, but I can ask him questions that my students are having and he can take it to the next level. 
So what we've done is probably every six weeks, I mean, sometimes it's it's more, but we make it pretty regular that Rick comes on my podcast. And I always make sure that I survey my Facebook groups and say, okay, Rick's coming on the show. What do you want us to talk about? We both bring knowledge of Facebook ads and knowledge of growing an online business to the table, but I definitely leave the more advanced stuff for Rick and I let him dive into all of that. So that's really where that relationship has gone. And here's the cool thing. Rick never comes to the table with an agenda, meaning he doesn't want to be on my podcast so that he can promote something. But because he's so generous with his time, and the cool thing is we'll talk for an hour on the phone about the episode before we go live. So we prepare for this stuff and we want to make sure it's a really, really good conversation. And so because of that, I feel that I want to give back to him. So when he comes on my show, I know he's getting exposure. I know he's getting introduced to a lot of people if they don't already know him. But also, I want to go the extra mile for him because he's so generous with his time and so giving. So if he has something coming up, I'll tell him, make sure to promote that special webinar you have coming up or tell people what you're working on. And I think he appreciates that, but he never asks for it. And I think that's really cool as well. There's nothing wrong with going after what you want, but I also think that you need to come to the table with these relationships that are going to move into collaborations. You need to come to the table and give more than you receive. And I think that's a really good place to wrap up this episode. Give more than you receive. Come from a place of service in that collaboration and really let go of all expectations. And when you do that, some pretty magical things will happen. No doubt in my mind. So there you have it. Let me give you some marching orders if you want to make your time with me more actionable. And that is to grab the freebie for this episode where I take you a little bit behind the scenes and give you a checklist of the questions I ask myself before I get into any collaboration. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 180 download amyporterfield.com forward slash 180 download, and you can grab that list of questions right away. You might not need them right now, but I promise you, you're going to need them down the road. The other thing I'll encourage you to do is to put together, and I mentioned this earlier, a short list of people that might be your peers, people that it would probably be easy to do a collaboration with, and you see some really good alignment. And then I want you to put together a very short list of a few influencers that down the road, you would love to collaborate with them. Maybe two or three names that might feel out of touch right now. However, they're now on your radar. And that means that you are going to work to engage with them authentically as much as possible. On social media, probably is the best place to do it. But maybe if you run into them at a live event, you make an effort to say hello and you let them know what you love about their content or what you admire about what they're doing. So put together that short list of your peers and then a few of those influencers that feel out of reach right now, but they won't necessarily always be out of reach and go after it, you know, do what you can to make it happen. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. I hope you found a lot of value in this episode. My hope is that you walk away knowing there's more than one way to collaborate, meaning it's not always about finding affiliates to promote your online training programs. There's live workshops and workshops in real life. And there's guests that you can have on your podcast on a regular basis. There's people that you can invite to be trainers inside of your own program. There's a lot of different ways to collaborate. So open your mind around your possibilities 
and I cannot wait to hear what you create. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.